Welcome, everyone, to episode number 27 of Anarchy in Space. Space. I just had to butt in there. <laughs> Where they can't hear you scream. I am Nikki P here, as always, with Eric, the rebel without a cause. Yeah, totally without one. Yep. And if you look that up, you won't find him. Nope, surely won't. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about episode number four of season three of The Expanse, Reload. See, si, senor. And what an episode it was. Quite a lot going on. I, I'm going to be honest, from a personal experience, I think we can say that about literally every episode of this season. Yeah, there's always a lot going on. <laughs> it's going to up the ante and it's like, what, what, what? Huh? What's going on? I'm lost. It's going to be a whole lot of that. Cue the John Travolta gif of him just looking around, just wondering what where somebody went to. There's a, there's a John Travolta gif? Yeah, from uh, Pulp Fiction where he's looking around the living room and he kind of like doesn't know where uh, Uma Thurman character went. So he's just kind of looking around. Wow. I'm not familiar with this. Yes. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old guy, you know. I'm not familiar with all these things you hip young people are into. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about snow, Pulp Fictions or John Travolta's. I'm just saying. Which is funny to hear Nikki P say this because I am probably a good five, six years older than he is. I'm, so. I'm, uh, I'm young in spirit alone. <laughs> a young in body, maybe. I don't know. So well, why don't you start leading us through this one, boss? All right. Well, this one kind of opened up with uh, Drummer, Nikki P's favorite uh, female character on the show. Oh, she's so <laughs> badass. Sexy. And uh, she uh, goes and uh, steals the Naboo. From the uh, from the Mormons. Well, stealing is such a I don't know. I mean, technically, they already stole it, right? And now they're just reclaiming what they stole already. It's kind of like, oh hey, I'm gonna take your purse and then chuck it at somebody else, right? And then when it's just laying there on the ground because everybody ran away, going back and picking it back up. I mean, you could have went and got it yourself, you Mormons, if you were space pirates, but you're not. So, I mean, I'm just going to go back there. Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and get it. I mean, after all, we made it first, right? Technically, they did. Yeah. You know, we have been under contract, but, you know, let's see you uh, getting intergalactic law to side with you on this one. And according to the tankies, if they mop the floor once, they own it. So. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Shots fired across the bow. Already. Yeah, I, to, to me, it's like that's such a big thing in the show, and it's like, oh, God, there's so much that happens in this. Like, I barely even, it barely even registers on, like, <laughs> the level of shit that's about to go down. <laughs> yeah, if you're, like, keeping score at home uh, uh, as far as net violations go on this on this show, I mean, just give up. You're, you're not going to be able to tally those points. Well, you know, everyone justifies things the way they justify them, I think, is the more, more apropos right. way of putting it. Like, people see the world they want to see, and they... They will justify their own actions to be the, the correct actions based on whatever value system they have set up and whoever they're set up to protect, I guess. Yeah, and this episode is a good illustration of that, so. Whole series is a great illustration of that in a macro scale, but. Right. <laughs> so let's keep going here. What else we got going on? All right, so then we have uh, Esteban giving uh, Anna's speech. Then Esteban is the uh, Secretary General of the UN, uh, but he revised it a little bit with uh, Aaron Wright's help. Uh, what it sounds like, uh, and further justifying destroying Mars before dealing with Venus. And of course, Anna does, is disgusted by this and is getting ready to to walk out on that piece of feces, as she puts it. So keep asking myself this question. Is Anna hot or is she designed or supposed to be homely? Mm. You see, that actress has been on several different science fiction type shows. And uh, I've always found her kind of like, you know, like a good 
six or seven on the Clydesdale scale. I just feel like whatever they're doing her, like I want to, I want to get underneath the, that outfit, but I feel like <laughs> maybe the, uh, the issue is that, uh, it's cause she's a lesbian. Is that it? And it's a whole chasing Amy thing yeah. because I can't have it. You know, I want it. I don't know. We've all been there, buddy. We've all wanted to turn that one lesbian. You know? Yeah, she is having a lot to deal with in all of this. Right. Aaron Wright's a fucking god. She's not wrong. He is human feces. Like he is a pile of shit. Yep. And it is frustrating watching him continue to get the upper hand in all of this. Like somehow he's always just one step ahead, it feels like. Yeah, he definitely knows how to play that secretary general like a fiddle. And get he him does. to march to his tune. So it's you know, on one hand, it's like, man, this guy shouldn't be able to do this. And then on the other hand, it's like, man, that secretary general guy has got like zero spine. Yeah, no, literally. Yeah. I mean, he that guy, Aaron Wright managed to turn a, a, a plea for peace into a justification for war. Right. Like that's, that's some, I, I don't know. That's some, that's some Donald Rumsfeld level shit right there. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Good old Donnie Rum. Wonder if, wonder if that wouldn't that be a nice brand, Donnie Rum? Donnie Rum. That's what Trump needs to do when he when he's eventually not president anymore. Start Donnie Rum as a company. Well, I already had the Trump steaks there for a while. Fuck the Trump steaks. I want Donnie Rum. Donnie Rum. And like, and, and like maybe he should go start like a better island, kind of like Jimmy Buffett. And we only serve Donnie Rum here in our pina coladas. I think you mean pina colada burg. <laughs> I got into that with a dude at work the other day. <laughs> Song I wrote six freaking years before Jimmy Buff was ever even on the map. <laughs> Such a great movie. Uh, that is, it is an underrated movie. Not a lot of people have seen that. We had a game like this in my country. We called it Circle Eater. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yes. So we are, uh, we get some, some, some mutiny going on here, don't we? Yeah, just a little bit. So we've got, everyone survived so far, but... Well, we need to, we've, we're have we out of shit. Yeah. Like we're out here on the edge of the solar system and we got no way to make it back alive. Yeah. Out of ammo, out of fuel. And so we're going to, we, we're going to find, I guess, see if any of these ships that just got blown to shit by the UN have, if there's anything valuable anywhere that we can utilize. Yeah. Now it's time to pick over the battle, battleground like a scavenger. So good. <sighs> well, I mean, they started this whole thing as scavengers, didn't they? Yes, they did. They're ice miners or whatever. And, so they're going through the ship, taking everything in. There's a lot. How, what did you think about the the relationship between Amos and Prax at this point? Yeah, Amos is, uh, I don't know. I guess uh, Prax is, uh, was watching the, the old footage of uh, the proto-molecule, like, sales reel. And was like, you know, I had to tell myself it was May out there so that I would stop thinking about it. But who could do this to somebody else? And then uh, Amos kind of piped in with a good Amos line. It was like, you and I had vastly different childhoods. And <laughs> I think uh, Amos has definitely seen pretty much the worst humanity has to offer. Well, for me, the the thing that, that really sticks out is while he's uh, while he's there like, shuffling through things, there's we're we're seeing very very specifically the change in Prax. Right. Well, there's still some humanity like in there that. Yeah, but he's definitely starting to harden up a little bit. Yeah, like he, he's walking through there, like kicking bodies out of the way. Yeah. And like yeah, fuck, like I whatever, nothing useful here. Yeah. You know, wipe, just wipe that dead body off the off the shit that you want, kick it out of the way. And so while they're on the ship, what was it? What reason I asked that was because I feel like you see you see in Amos that there's a growing desire to. Like, he clearly cares for Prax a lot, but he doesn't want Prax to become him. Right. And, like, he's starting to see more of him in Prax, and I think it's starting to scare him. 
Yeah. He doesn't want another soulless person walking around just kind of doing what they have to do to get the job done type of guy. Yeah. And to me, like, unless you really s- spend the time on the, the show, like, I feel like it's stuff like that you, you can miss is that there's there's these little relationships that are kind of get lost in how grand the scale is. Because, I mean, remember, we're in an intergalactic space opera at this point. Right. And and if you don't take the time to pay attention to, like, the little people participating in it, you know, on the periphery even, it's kind of uh, kind of difficult to really see what's going on for real. Yeah. That's why I think, like, Anna's character and Amos's character, especially in this season, like, they're so important to kind of ground us in humanity. Yeah. Anyways. Long story short, having said that, while they're on the ship, the important thing is is that they find three survivors. Yes. While picking through the ruins of this uh, Martian ship, Holden's got his hand on one of the walls, and he thinks he hears or feels uh, something move. Clankety-clank. Yeah. So he's getting uh, some good old Morris code uh, SOS, and uh, they set up an emergency airlock, and they find three almost dead Marines, uh, Martians, inside. And uh, it's kind of funny because the Martians think that it's a Martian ship coming to help them because of the uh, the uniforms, I guess, that Holden has uh, squirreled away from uh, from a couple of missions past. And so they just don't tell them that they're not Martians because they just kind of need them to get on board so they can help them and everything. Well, I mean, there are these people who are almost dead. Right. So, like, it's easy enough to, hey, you see uniforms and Mars always helps their own, right? Mars isn't going to leave them to die. Yeah. So it's just easy. It fits with their worldview to just go with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, they go put them in med bay and they start healing. Yeah. Now they're starting to put two and two together. Yes. And they realize, oh, shit, we're on a stolen Martian warship. And this needs to be Mars's again. Yeah. So no good deed goes unpunished, am I right? Yeah. As Alex said, while he was uh, being held hostage by one of them, he was like, I'm starting to feel a little bit of ingratitude from these three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're th- the three most unlikable fucking people ever. Yeah. As uh, Christian says, they- they're idiots. <laughs> uh, so ultimately what ends up happening is that their mutiny is foiled by Bobby. Yes. Another Martian. That's the thing, like, they keep seeing all these Martians. They're, they're in there... <sighs> I think the moral of season three is that you're going to start seeing like the sides are really, really not going to mean anything when all this is over. Like, because every scene is designed to put people with the old mentality. Right. It's a little bit of a blurring of the lines. Yeah. Like you get on here, all of a sudden there's fucking UN people. There's a Mars, there's Martian soldiers, there's belters and everybody's kind of co-mingling. Right. And Nobody, you'll get the feeling as this is progressive that nobody wants this. Like they're they're going, the universe is dragging them into being together, kicking and screaming. Yeah, it's like they don't want to be working together, but here they are. Yeah, but right now these three people are fuck you. You're not Martians, and you're a traitor to Mars, and we're fucking taking our ship, and y'all gonna do it. And then Bobby's like, Nah, bitch, I'm Bobby Draper. I'm gonna kill all y'all motherfuckers. Yeah, one of them recognizes, like, no, that's Marine Recon armor. Uh, she could make you eat that pistol if she wanted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the one sensible guy. Yeah. And but and, and, and the worst part about it is this badass is, like, all the ass beating that Bobby doles out in this scene is. Yeah, she just had to be there. <laughs> this The scene is stolen by Amos. Right. <laughs> walking in going, did I miss it? Did I miss it? <laughs> is it over? I thought I was going to kill some people. Yeah. How dare you? Ultimately, Bobby does convince him this is a really bad idea. You don't want to do it. Right. And uh, they kind of willingly stop fighting, I guess. Yeah, especially after the appearance of Christian, because then they're like, what kind of ship is this? You know, because, you know, you're the former (laughs) UN uh, defense minister or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine, like, you're fighting a war and all of a sudden you're just in this place where everyone's just kind of co-mingling. I mean, it's got to be disoriented. Right. But... 
ultimately what is decided is that it's like Holden's like, look, your liability just fucking being here. You're trying to mutiny us. So right. we will do what we can to fix your ship. It looks flyable. We will allow you to get back to your people. Yeah. And uh, and so they managed to pull aside the one guy who warned the girl she could make you eat that gun if she wanted to. Right. Manages to say, hey, look, here's what's going on. We have this information that links Aaron Wright of the UN to bombing your people. Please take this to whoever it is. I need you to give it to your, the commander um, of the Marsh of the Mars Navy right now, and now you need to have them give it to you know uh, what's his name over there on the the UN ship, right? So that he can get it to Anna. There's a lot of game of telephone thing going on here. It's it's a whole big thing that's going on, and 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 in the whole like. None of this seems like possible. Like you're like, how is it gonna? How is there as much distrust as there is between everybody going on right now? How the hell are we gonna ban- manage to get this one video without completely getting ourselves killed and getting it out out to Earth? Yeah, like a million miles, be billions of miles away at this point. Yeah, and you know that's that's what ends up happening. So back on IO. Yes, Doctor Strickland. Yes, yes, the Doctor Strickland. The little boy Katoa is uh, starting to to feel a little bit funny. Blue as fuck. Yeah. He's uh, got the proto-molecule all up in his face now. Uh, it's not just in his arm. But it seems as if uh, Katoa is talking to the proto-molecule and not really talking to Dr. Strickland. So at one point he says, well, I feel dizzy. And he goes, well, we're going to uh, create some new pathways to to correct this. But it didn't really seem like he was talking to Dr. Strickland when he said that, which I found was interesting. So the thing is that uh, you can see Mao is, is not happy with things. And he has some humanity clearly. Right. Because he keeps waffling back and forth. Like he, he told Strickland to end everything, and Strickland's dragging his feet, and now he's kind of getting a little more furious with it. But now, now that if, if the boy has some way to communicate with the mothership, well, though, if we can find a way to utilize that, right. we, can, we can blow this whole thing wide open. So as much as Mao might have something worthwhile in him as a person, he, he's the guy who will chase down forever like what, what he's trying to find, as long as there's a glimmer of hope. Yeah, and that glimmer can be different. That it can be has to be bigger than perhaps it has to be for other people. But when he sees it, he will. He's rabid, and he's willing to do this to children. Yeah. Now the thing that's uh, you kind of left out is where we're building pathways. Yeah, <laughs> is that they they pan out in the shot, and you see that he is much like the Arbogast, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, he has completely disassembled the nurse. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's having, because he's not quite pro- fully proto-molecule, he's still human, he's having difficulty reassembling her. Right. Is the idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's got, like, guts in one area, like her skull in another. He was, like, messing with her fingers at one point. Yeah, he's got her finger bones, and he's, like, trying to do, I mean, you're just, how did he even, well, there's a little boy. Right. Like, how did he do this? It's a pretty dark dark scene. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. So, yeah, just a lot of intense shit happening. People waffling, people kind of changing sides. You're never quite sure where things are going, but I mean, it feels like we're we're bearing down on something though, right? Yeah. So, anything else that we missed in there? Anything else we need to cover? Just the recipe to red kibble, whatever that is. <laughs> Hot and spicy. <laughs> Alex seemed to like it. He was like, spicy. It's a little gross, but it's spicy. <laughs> well, and that's yeah, that's one of those things like where things first start going sideways with the guys is that he's trying to trying to be nice. He's like, you know, Naomi taught me give me a recipe for this for family's red kibble. It's hot and spicy. It's uh, you know, it grows on you. It's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And you know, they're like dump the shit out, and that's when they attack attack Alex. Right. You know, they've decided this is their move. Like we've got him lulled into a false sense of security. Let's, let's handle our shit. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Even there, like, even down to like the food. 
I'm not sure if they were overtly trying to just go, you know, point out, well, this is like how racism fucking works. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's definitely the same idea. It's like these people that carry with them these old ideas, these old grudges, the old, old ideologies that are akin to nothing. They hate the food because it's just fucking belter food. And there's no reason to hate it. Yeah. Clearly, Alex learned to like it. It's it's just the bullshit of how people feel about other people arbitrarily. Yeah. Based on nothing that uh, what other people have told you to hate. You know, it's a kind of a gross concept you know it's like you only think that way because everybody in your life has said that and you haven't actually learned it for yourself and even at the point where they're they're eating the red kibble the one martian kid goes ugh, built our food yeah so this episode directed by yep thor frudenthal yep and written by robin veith came out may 2nd 2018 i actually had a slight bump up because it was what 5.5 on the last episode and now we're up to a five point or five or point five nine yep so up just a little bit it's uh it's waffling but yeah you feel like people are try starting to find out about it but not sure what's going on yeah it's probably like a, a dedicated crew of people that tuned in every week for the program when it was live. And then... Uh, I really want to know what their numbers are on Amazon for this. Yeah. If they only, like, disseminated that information. They do not. Yeah. Netflix is another one that keeps all that stuff as a clo- closely guarded secret, too. I guess. Yeah. So, how do, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, this one, there was a... Uh, seemed like a transition episode, like we're uh, going to cross off some uh, story arcs that are going on and probably getting in preparation for what's about to happen in the second half of the season. I'd imagine. This season is definitely divided into two halves. Yeah, that's what it seems like so far. It's like the the first part of the season is we're going to wrap some stuff up, and then in the second half, we're going to finish everything off. Oh, my God. I can't. We're two two episodes left in this yes. first half. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fun. There's so many things I'm waiting for Eric to see in this, this season now. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't even know. I'm, like, excited on the second time around almost as much as I was the first time. Yeah, you're probably uh, catching some stuff that you missed the first time, uh, I'd imagine. Oh, dude, I mean, it's it's insane the amount of stuff you catch in a second watch of the show because it is. It's just, it, it, you really start to notice, like for me, like those relationships, like those little little comments between people. Anyways, folks, this is episode number four of season three of The Expanse. This is our episode number 27. And uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you want to, did they want to listen? That's what I was stopping for. I was trying to put an awkward pregnant pause in there. <laughs> uh, achievement unlocked. Pregnant pause was was successful. Nice. Nice. Uh, but yeah, folks, we're, we're glad you're listening. Doesn't matter where you're listening, if you're on Eric's stream or my stream, but we're glad to have you. Yep. So take it easy. Yep. Say bye, Rosie. <laughs> I guess that's all we're going to get. See you later.